Welcome to the GBC Big 3 podcast, a weekly podcast where we sit down and unpack three big questions raised from our Sunday sermon. I'm your host, Matt Willis, and my co-host again this week for second week in a row. It's none other than the delightful Roxanne Lawler. How you going, my friend? Oh, pretty good. How are you going, Mr. I'm Willis? Good. We are almost... Running Ooh, this joint. We are. <laughs> oh my God. It is Just the a couple last of days to go. week mm-hmm. of having. Mark yeah. Rader in the building. Woohoo. And then I it's know. just, it's all and then on us. It is, it is. And then we'll just go visit and watch him play hockey. Yes. Apparently, ice hockey. Oh my gosh. Yes. yes so we're much do fun. That. Yeah. But we'll also install yeah. slides instead of yeah, staircases. Absolutely. We'll absolutely. Probably repaint. Some, yeah, and, maybe a new logo. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> uh, you know, are, are we Guide Me Baptist Church anymore yeah, or, I don't know. or are we something else? I don't, I don't know. know. The church on the highway. Oh, Let's go with that. Hopefill Church. I don't know. Let's. Power is going to Thankfully, there's a CLT. Yes. Keep us yes. very much in line. They certainly will. <laughs> oh, that's well, great, my friend. I'm Yay. excited. I'm excited to have you on three again. Stoked to be here. Fantastic. Well, for those of you who missed it, our senior pastor, Mark Rader, preached during our Easter Sunday services, wrapping up our series for the season in three days. Mark spoke from the book of Ephesians about the new temple made for all and by all. And you can listen to that message again through our regular GBC Sermons podcast. And so today in the big three, as always, we're going to keep the conversation going from Sunday's message. In a moment, we're going to be joined by Mark and Rox and I will be putting the big three questions to him as we dive deeper into the invitation from this week's sermon. But for now, Rox, what what was your kind of take home? What stood out for you in, good. in Raider's message on Sunday? Oh, man. Well, I think for me, it was sort of the, the culmination of the whole Easter weekend, right? So yeah. we've been looking at this in three days, the temple and how Jesus said she's going to rebuild the temple in three mm. days. And, you know, we looked at that from, the you know, the perspective of the cross and, and the, the resurrection, et cetera. But I think I really liked how Mark took it from being um, like a, a historical, biblical perspective into actually what does that mean for us now? Yeah. You know, what does it mean? um, What does that three days do for us? Mm. And that whole concept of of how Jesus' um, death and resurrection takes these two groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles, and unites them into one new people group or, yeah, or, um, yeah the a purple church, people. the purple people. The purple people. Which if you haven't heard the sermon, you'll be like, what the heck with the purple? Who are they? Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't understand. So, um, yeah, yeah, I really loved um, just the fact that it was about the here and now and what yeah. it, what and it was for us. And that sense of unity that yeah, we make yeah, the temple yeah, and we yeah. make the church. Yeah, such a different perspective because yes. often we hear about, you know, forgiveness of sins, which is critical, very <laughs> important. It's a don't big deal. Get me it's wrong. a big deal. <laughs> However, we don't often hear that perspective. Yeah. So that was... Um, I enjoyed that. Yes. And I think we should probably explain that like the purple people, which is going to come up in a few of our big three questions. It was that whole idea of the Jews were kind of red and the Gentiles were blue. And rather than making a community of red with blue dots or blue with red stripes, they made something new um, and were kind of transformed through what Jesus did on the cross, which Got a bit of a snicker yeah, from me did, and anyone who's been in youth ministry uh, in the last yes, little yeah. while because we used to have a rule at youth camp yes, where boys were blue mm-hmm. and girls were red mm-hmm. and there was no purple. No purple. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden our senior pastor gets yeah. up on the platform yeah, and, goes, and he's like, guys, we need to be purple. Yeah. <laughs> we need to be purple. Let's be purple people. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, so we just have to sit our young people down yeah, and explain and, uh, the explain. difference. Explain, okay, but not you. <laughs> and not like you, that. You are in the temple. <laughs> you are, exactly, exactly. <laughs> this is different. Not on youth camp. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, youth are sitting there going, Bless what them. the heck? I know, oh, yes, yeah. it was a vibe. It was a vibe. <laughs> yep. Um, well, before we get on to the inner workings of young people. uh, Um, Long service leave is going to go well, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) We've got this, Rox. We've got it. Um, I think it's time for us to start looking at the three big questions submitted through Slido this week. So, Rox, what are our big three? Oh, man, there's some crackers. The first one is, well, what barriers do we need to push through to establish that purple community, that that unified body of believers? What are the barriers? Because, like, particularly for the Jews, they had huge barriers. They had a whole history of... Um, sacrificial law and, yep. you know, and set laws apartness. Of, yes, right. That they laws. had to, that were kind of being deconstructed mm. well, along with the temple. Boom, yeah. boom, pun intended. <laughs> in three days. Um, in three days, <laughs> there you go. Oh, we don't even need radar. We've got this. 
Go on long service leave. All right, stop there. Please, question two. Question two. (laughs) Well, Jesus died so there is a new purple way of being with God. But it is, is it a problem that there seems to be different types of purple? Yeah. You know, so like different types of churches, I imagine yes. this question is about, maybe denominations. Mm. I think maybe that question is there. there yeah. Is there still, like, is there mm-hmm. still a right and a wrong? Yeah. Do you Ooh. get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, that's what I read yeah. in that. Are the, yeah. are, the, are the purples different shades? Like, are we talking lavender here and lilac? I don't know. I'm what really are impressed are that you about? knew purple colours because <laughs> I you. was drawing a blank. Very good. <laughs> All right. Question number three is if anyone can begin to follow Jesus, which is something that Mark had said in the sermon, mm. um, what might it look like? You know, like what does it look like to follow Jesus? And mm. how is that different to faith? Or is that faith? Is that faith? Yeah. Is that faith? What's that like? Absolutely. Yeah. What does right it look on. like? Help us. Um, well, here to help us, to help us. is Margarita. Hey. <laughs> please guys. don't leave. We joke about it, but please don't. <laughs> we, we need someone to wrangle yes, us in. exactly, obviously. <laughs> the big three is going to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh, she's going to be listening from know, home. Yeah. <laughs> um, how, how did you find Easter, Mark? Was it? everything you hoped it to be. I don't know what I want from that question. (laughs) Well, I mean, personally it was um, a little bit different. We'd kind of, we'd planned to do like some family stuff as I think lots of people did. And then in the end, um, one of my daughters ended up with COVID. So like that just kind of threw a lot of that into disarray to some degree. And it was another of my daughter's birthday just before Easter. So um, we like, again, like the, the the celebration was a little bit, not muted, but it was a little bit like, Oh, okay. It didn't quite work out. <laughs> um, but that was fine. So it was kind of a quiet, quieter weekend than than we had originally planned. But that wasn't entirely bad. Uh, and I think you know, I, I'd probably share your reflections, Rox, that I I I quite enjoyed preaching and thinking about the death and resurrection of Jesus from the perspective of the temple. Like, mm. I think one of the real challenges that I experienced, you know, particularly at Christmas and Easter, is like. There's yeah. limits to what you can yeah. preach, right? Yeah. Like, it's got to be, yeah. be about Christmas and Easter. It's a yeah. prescribed text. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, but it's also, I think, really important that, I, like I know I've learned that it's important that I'm engaged yeah. in, mm. in what, I'm, what I'm doing. And so I found that really quite uh, energizing mm. to, yeah. to be thinking about the death and resurrection of Jesus. Again, not to the exclusion, as yeah. you say, of, of forgiveness or victory over death or mm. many of the the more prominent themes, yeah. but I found it really energizing to be thinking about the temple complex. And, and again, I like I think part of it for me was just again the realization that Jesus doesn't talk a lot in the lead up to his death yeah. and resurrection about forgiveness of sins or victory yeah. over yeah, death. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's in there. Hmm. But that's not what he got pegged for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in his trial. It wasn't yeah. like this man says he can forgive sins, which yeah. you would have thought yeah. in terms of the, the ranking and blasphemous statements would have been higher than yeah. I'm gonna knock down the, the temple. temple. But it's the temple. So even just mm. kind of realizing how how significant that idea was, mm. that paradigm shift was for Jesus. Mm. I I just found really quite engaging. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so that, I think that yeah. kind of meant that I, I was able to kind of, and I, you know, I think I can do this most, most Easter's and Christmas is kind of really bring my heart to it, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, because there's something that I'm really interested mm. yeah, it in was, the it's f- same old story. Fresh, it's a fresh yeah. perspective, yeah. fresh yeah. vision, yeah. and that is energizing, you know? Yeah. So I found that really nice. So, yeah. you know, personally, a little bit quieter from a preaching kind of theme perspective, I was quite engaged. Oh, so happy we'll call it a draw. That's a win. And knowing you, a quiet yeah. weekend. I'm yeah, sure yeah, you loved yeah, it. Exactly, I, was, exactly. I wasn't, I, yeah, I wasn't complaining no. a lot. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't have to go oh, out and see a whole bunch of people to <laughs> okay. celebrate a birthday. Oh, well, it was my family. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Be willing to spend time with my family. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Just, it's just us. It's just us. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Noted. Well, before I like dig any further into that uh, emotional complex, uh, let's um, get into the big three. Okay, so the first question, Mark, is what barriers do we need to push through to establish a purple community? Yeah. I think, you know, I think that, I think you guys made the point earlier that the Jews and Gentiles, particularly the Jews, had quite a few obstacles. Mm. Um, you know, I, I I didn't dig I didn't dig heaps into like temple architecture, but um, you know, th- there were some very there were some very deliberate 
and intentional signs if you were a Gentile about how far you could go into the temple and how, and where you could no longer go. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when, when it talks about in Ephesians of Jesus tearing down the wall of hostility, you know, some commentators think that it might be referring to kind of those signs that say, you yeah. know, you can't go past this, this point or whatever yeah. the case might be. And, and a lot of those obstacles were, you know, like, I don't want to just say cultural, but they were cultural and religious. You know, the food laws mm. uh, were fairly significant. The Sabbath regulations were fairly significant. Um, circumcision was significant, but I mean, less so in the sense that it wasn't, you know, it was, it's a one-off thing that's done only to male babies in the mm. Jewish culture. But there were still kind of obstacles if, if a Gentile God-fearer wanted to kind of, kind of take that final step and say, yes, I'm going to really associate myself with the people of God. So there's a whole bunch of those sorts of barriers. And I think we underestimate sometimes, which I don't know, I don't know how we manage it, but I think we underestimate <laughs> the impact of cultural differences. Yeah. You know, um, uh, you know, a really simple, a really simple um, example. And you guys have heard me talk about, um, church sizes before, like I've talked yeah. about that a lot and kind of internally. And I remember reading very early in the piece that I, it was kind of like, I will have more in, in common with someone from a different denomination who has a church of approximately the same size than I will of someone who shares all my theological concerns, but has a church that's either much, much larger or much, much smaller. Yeah. yeah. Just on the basis that you're dealing with the same sort of issues. Yeah. And uh, my experience of that has been absolutely true. Mm. You know, um, and something as small as the size of a church, the number of people, the uh, the complexity of the organization can actually be pr- create a bit of a barrier yeah. between people. No, it's not. You can't. It's not like you can't overcome it. But but that that's enough yeah. to kind of go. Oh man, I just see the world very very different. We're on a different yeah. page. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have different issues, different problems, all those sorts of things. Let alone the complexity that we know exists in say racial or ethnic. Um, diversity. Mm. Um, and and those things, to some degree, can trip us up long before we get to the th- theology part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like long before we get to that. You know, just the things about, um, you know, the barriers that can be placed around language. Mm. Um, you know, we're still fairly monocultural here, but um, in chatting to other pastors whose churches have gone through a period of increased multicultural growth and diversity, language becomes a really important Mm. question, you know, and, and even about not, not so much policy decisions, but about, you know, like, are we going to, are we going to offer translation? Are we going to offer services in different languages? Like all of those sorts of questions become really quite significant and all of those can form barriers. Um, So, I mean, I think to some degree, the question of what obstacles are there, like, (laughs) <laughs> there are heaps of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are heaps of yeah. them. Um, and, and they are of varying degrees of severity, shall mm. we say. But also I think, you know, and we've talked a bit about this, I think, on the podcast before, you know, speaking personally as a, as a white middle-aged man, like <laughs> I, I, am the, I am the poster child of entitlement in lots of <laughs> ways, right? And I think one of the things that I've become increasingly aware of over the last – number of years, I suppose, Mm. is how unaware I am about the obstacles that other people face. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I think that not only are there lots of obstacles that Mm. can keep us from becoming unified and purple, but I think that there's also um, a whole bunch that we just don't see necessarily because we're so used to things. So, you know, I think about Gaimia as a, as a community of faith. And I think one of the, one of the, I think one of the strengths of our community of faith is that we have um, a really high percentage of people who have been at the church for like 30 years or more. Mm. Like I've been on staff for 25 years and I am by no means the the longest serving member of this church, like mm. by a long way. Mm. Uh, you guys have been around enough to know that yeah. you, know, you probably list off a dozen people without thinking about it yeah. who would have been here longer than that. And that has, a, that has you know, that means there's stability, 
uh, and there's uh, a strong sense of heritage. Like there's a whole bunch of good stuff about that, but it can also provide on the opposite, on the kind of on the flip side, a bit of an obstacle mm. for new people making their way in yeah. who just haven't been around for 35 years, yeah. and so don't know all the names that you refer to, and don't remember that pastor, and don't mm. remember that ministry, yeah. or whatever the case the might be. In jokes, yeah, and the, you should have been there. Yeah, we've yeah. always done it that way. Yeah, yeah. or whatever the case mm. might be. Um, so you, you find that sometimes your strengths, the strength of a community can also kind of have a shadow side. Yeah. Um, that's unintentionally, that or that can unintentionally yeah. create obstacles. Mm. So I think that for any community of faith, we have to be, we, we have to be aware of, I guess, where obstacles potentially lie, right? Yeah. You know, um, I think the other, another potential obstacle that we can have from a, such a, um, a long serving community um, is that there are certain, there's a certain degree of biblical knowledge, for instance, mm. yeah. that, that we can kind of bring with us. Cause you know, we've all been in the church for 35 years yeah. or 40 yeah. years. And so you've all heard this story before. Yeah, you yeah. may remember yeah, yeah. the Psalm, mm. that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. right. We, that's right. When we preached like, on it in 2006, yeah. you'll yeah, remember yeah, the yeah, series yeah. well. And yeah. And people are like, no, I <laughs> yeah. don't. And I remember, I remember working with a, um, a young lady and, she had come from a like from a, a non-faith home. Like she kind of came to faith um, through friends mm. in her late teens, um, and her reflection was that she always felt really awkward in those mm. moments because yeah. people would say, "Well, you all know the story," and yeah, she's like, "I don't, I don't know the story." Yeah. yeah, you know, they're like uh, the, the old familiar Sunday school story, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're like, "I no, I don't didn't go to Sunday mm. school, so I have no idea what she's talking about." And then just feeling like she should have known those stories yeah. and didn't and feeling on the outside and can you ask questions and all of those sorts mm. of things. Now, again, I think that there are probably more significant obstacles than those, but I, I think the kinds of obstacles that keep us from being united together are, are myriad. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's a reason why the, the Christian church has struggled to remain unified. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I think we bring a lot of that stuff with us. So, you know, I think that each community of faith needs to ask some of their own questions around that um, and, uh, and and to try to develop enough diversity. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. um, I think we need to be very careful. I, and, and this is probably a little bit all over the place. I, I might need to break. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of waffling, but, um, you know, I think that we probably need to be um, – probably aware of kind of how, where we draw the line on inclusion, if that makes sense, Mm. right? Because we want to include as many people as we possibly can, but we don't want to lose our distinctiveness, right? That's part of the the dilemma, right? You know, so for the people of, you know, for the Jewish people, (laughs) I'm not going to say they were happy to, but like if a (laughs) Gentile God-fearer, like they're always held in high respect, Right, like the Jews would have been very happy with a Gentile who, you know, um, submitted to the law of Moses mm. even in part. Yeah, but there was something about there. This is what sets us apart, and these are the things you have to adhere to mm. to be part of us. Mm. Yeah. And the, and the thing about the challenge, I think, about the purple, right, is that we have been made one through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Mm. He's created this community, a new humanity out of the two. And then when he talks about the building of the temple and the, the, the dwelling of God, talks about the fact that it's built on the apostles and the prophets. Mm-hmm. So there's something about the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the prophecies, the story of Israel, the law of Moses that still has bearing on this mm-hmm. new purple community mm-hmm. that also is shaped by God's plans to have included everybody from the very beginning, the image of God, the big picture stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think how we, how we determine the boundaries becomes important, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and, and I, and I think that, you know, too often we focus on the boundaries rather than, I don't know, rather than the color, <laughs> you know, like it's, I think it's the, in social sciences, I believe it's the differences between a closed and an open set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So a closed set has boundaries and the whole idea is to get over the boundary. And once you're over the boundary, you're, good. you're in, yeah. uh, an open set just says, here's the center. And get as close as you yeah, can. We yeah, move, we move to or f- yeah. from. And I think the church ought to be an open set. Yeah. Um, but at some point there are 
expectations, mm, beliefs, mm. behavior that yeah. you know that kind of guides mm. a, a community of faith. So, I, like, I think there's all sorts of challenges in that. Um, I think that one of the other, like, I think we see this very clearly, is as cultural norms shift that has implications for obstacles yeah. in the church. Yeah. And I think the tendency of the church has been to, and I talk about not Gamia per se, but the church universal has been to make cultural norms universal. Mm. Yeah. Which we then get into trouble as soon as cultural norms change. Now yeah. we can't just change what we believe or how we behave based on what our culture is doing. But like we do have to take into account that there's those sorts of changes as mm. well. So like, and, you know, again, all over the shop really, but yeah, <laughs> lots of obstacles, uh, some that yeah. we see, some yeah. that we don't. Yeah. Uh, good luck with that. Yeah. I think the, thing, <laughs> the thing that stood out to me in, in all of that, Mark, was like that for some of us, the obstacle might be to notice the obstacles in front of others. Yeah. Um, mm. And I think there, there lies a really significant um invitation, particularly for anyone who feels like they are in. Um, And yeah, I I, I was just, I was reminded of, um, there's a Uniting Church uh, local to my home who have cracker signs that they just throw out. And the the current one is um, around the the current election. And it's, you know, who you vote for determines who's... um, who's like issues are, are going to be dealt with. I've yeah. butchered the quote. Yeah. I apologize, but you get the the premise yeah. of there's an invitation to actually consider um, issues and barriers and, and challenges that someone mm. else is, mm. is facing and then advocating on their behalf. Mm. I think that there lies a powerful mm. invitation yeah, as we kind of. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, if you think about the context in Ephesians where Paul is obviously addressing an issue of some sort of division, mm. you know, where was the onus of responsibility? Like if Paul had been pushed, if, if he'd done a big three podcast following yeah. The, yeah. The, the, <laughs> his message the on publication Sunday. of the letter, <laughs> you know, we've just got a few questions about Ephesians. Um, you know, like, just a few. And, and someone had said, you know, who has the, like, who needs to start? Yeah. Mm. Who goes first? Mm. Like I, I suspect that Paul would have said the Jews. Mm. Like, it, because they were, shall we say, the, the insiders, right? Yeah. He, Paul mm. identifies them as those who were near to God, mm. still in need of salvation, yeah. as, he's, as he opens in chapter two, still in need of forgiveness, still dead in their transgressions, but they were near. They had the covenants, they had the promises, they had the mm. scriptures, they had the prophecies. And so they were probably the insiders. Yeah. And so for yeah. them, it was, it was probably their responsibility yeah. to make sure that yeah. the Gentiles who were joining them... Mm. Mm, Felt like they were near. Yeah. You know, hey, Matt, do you know? I mean, he just, you know, Rox just referred to that old Sunday school yeah, story. Yeah. Do you know, what do you know that Sunday school yeah, story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, you <laughs> yeah, know, and, yeah. and I think that, I think to your point, Matt, I think those of us who feel like insiders do need to be looking for those who may be outsiders mm. and not expecting them to just behave like an insider, yeah. Yeah. but actually to say kind of what's keeping you from feeling mm. comfortable here mm. and how can I advocate on your behalf yeah. and yeah. those sorts of things. And That's, I guess yeah. like, because we're not looking for blue with red dots or red with blue stripes or whatever it is. Um, we're looking for something new. So also mm. not only welcoming them in and making sure that they feel included, but allowing them yeah. to be a part of the, reshaping of mm. what Such community a, looks like. So yeah. like, and, and working together yeah. as equals. Yeah. Early to involvement. That, to make that yeah. purple. Yeah. 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 It's a positive use of power. Yeah. I think the power sits mm. in with the in community and mm-hmm. for them to actually utilize their power to be more inclusive. And, and to hand it over. To hand it over. And there's such humility and, and you've got to let go of all the arrogance that we're the mm. in, we're right, we're, mm. we're the kind of default. But this gives me yeah. the influence. Yeah. And this yeah. Gives me and, the authority. and there's, yeah. there's a self protection to that when you mm. hold on to that power. Mm. It's, you know, just maintaining the status quo. And it won't happen by accident. You know, mm. you've got to deliberately, yeah. you know, let that power go, include mm. those people. Mm. And so it's not something that's going to happen just – it's just going to happen one day. Yeah. It's actually intentional. Yeah. And, and I think that's probably um, one of the thing. one of the barriers yep. is, is you said seeing it yep. but then acting on it. Yeah. You know, having that intentional vision. You know, mm. who can I include? Who can I draw along? Yeah. Who can I bring in? Who can I share my power with or, or give it over to? Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Good stuff. Well, there you go. Let's move on to question two. 
Um, so, Mark, obviously, you know, Jesus' death and resurrection saw the creation of a new temple and a, and a new community, this new purple way of being with God. Um, and as we look around today, I guess if we can push the analogy even further, there is a lot of different shades of purple. Um <laughs> Is, is, is it a problem that there seems to be different types of community or, or are, we, are we winning just because we're in the same wheelhouse? Mm. Is that a, is that a, is <laughs> that a color, the color spectrum? On the color is, spe- yeah, yeah, the, the same, same wheelhouse. Yeah, I'm not sure that that is works. But no, there's a, color, color wheel. there's a color wheel. Thank you yeah, very but, but a wheelhouse is, is different. very different. Yeah. All right, guys, I tried yeah, to be but, smart. Like, but, thank you for just. It is in the same color I don't feel on the inside is what I'm saying. Well. You shouldn't have. You shouldn't have asked. Does that make sense? Because then you invited. I'll share, I my, did. I'll share I invited my power you. with can you. Can we get man? back to the question now? Can we get back to the question? We sure can. <laughs> Listen, I think you know one of the things that I, 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 I observed. I think, and one of the reasons why I chose you know to say that the Jews and Gentiles were you know blue and red instead of black and white is because black and white, when we kind of polarize issues, then ends up becoming a matter of purity and yep. separation, yep. right? And uh, and so anything that taints the white must be resisted yep. and defended against. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I think once you realize that, no, you know, both colors – they're colors. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're um, Yeah, they're both valid and, and mixed together. They create something that's not impure red or impure blue, but purple, something mm. new. And I reckon that in terms of the, you know, the, the denominational spectrum, I think as long as we can appreciate the purple, I think that, that it's fine. I think once the color scheme shifts to black and white – and we're right and you're wrong, we're in, you're out, we're pure, you're not, mm. we're orthodox, you're like, once it becomes a matter of separation and purity, I think that's when we run into some danger because then the other is resisted and is lumped in as, you know, kind of evil and you know like it's it's yeah. a it's a it's a hop skip and a jump to yeah. to to see pretty extreme yeah opinions. you know yeah, yeah. like we're yeah. Pl- you know we're bound for heaven everyone else isn't it's like oh okay <laughs> that black and white piece i think yeah. is is where we where we run into problems mm. and i think you know i think many people have been in situations where there's been that kind of black and white experience yeah. of mm-hmm not necessarily denominations even, but different theological opinions or views. And, and there, there's a spectrum, of course, you know, and there'd be a whole bunch of stuff, religious beliefs and interpretations of scripture and whatnot that I would disagree with, that I would think are not particularly great readings of scripture or whatever the case might be. But I'm, I'm also willing to say that there are some that are probably valid, even though I don't agree with them, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. And, and so I think we do need to be focused on, on the purple, right? I remember years and years ago, I think when I was still doing my undergraduate in Canada, I can't remember in what context or what class I was doing, but I ended up reading an article that was really influential for me on um, different types of spirituality. Mm. Um, And uh, it talked about, you know, like an activist spirituality, you know, so think like the Salvation Army, right? Where, you know, Jesus is found and we experience God in caring for the poor and the marginalized. Mm, That's that's where God's found. Um, And there's like a liturgical spirituality Mm. where God is found in the sacraments. That's where we experience God. You know, you think about like a high Anglican or perhaps an Orthodox you know, kind of uh, um, uh, spirituality. Um, there's a, an academic spirituality that they talked about, which I found really helpful studying mm. and just kind of okay. going, oh, yeah, God mm. can be found in commentaries and <laughs> yeah, yeah. theological <laughs> thoughts. I'm still good. I'm still good. <laughs> 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 then the light um, came on. That's right. Well, I, I remember reading the – I think it was an evangelical spirituality. It talked about, you know, God's encountered in the word and in prayer and in mm. daily devotions, that kind mm. of thing. And I remember reading the description of it and I thought, well, that's not spirituality. It's just kind of like – how you do things, right? Yeah. And the little, like, little, the little inner narrator, yeah, narrator yeah, in your yeah, head's yeah, kind of yeah, like, yeah. dude, <laughs> that might be your spirituality. Um, and I think that that kind of moment of going, oh, I really identify with one in particular, but realizing that there was a breadth of them was really helpful for me to mm. recognize that there are particular 
there are particular spiritualities that, you know, the church that I was a part of and the church that I'm leading now, we're not going to cater to particularly well. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that while we want to be, you know, as inclusive of other forms of spirituality as we can be, we can't really deny who we are, mm. you know? Um, and so we want to serve the poor and we want to care for the marginalized and be engaged in that sort of work, but that's not our primary spirituality. Mm. So I think that there are, at that very basic level, there's need for different colors of purple, yeah. right? Yeah, different nice. shades of purple to kind of mm. go, yeah, like this, this, this denomination or perhaps a tradition is probably a better way to talk about it. This tradition focuses on this kind of a spirituality and it will speak to a certain group of people. Again, I remember doing a, this is after that article, um, probably several years after it. I remember reading something around, it's like Myers-Briggs and spirituality types. Mm. And again, it was just a really helpful overlay. I'm not entirely convinced that, you know, if you've got a certain Myers-Briggs profile that you're kind of locked in, but it made sense that there were certain profiles that you kind of went, yeah, that would lend itself yeah, to that yeah. kind of a spirituality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of seen it even in my own profile of kind of going, yeah, that mm -hmm. kind of works for me. <laughs> you know? So, you know, the, just recognizing that to some degree, be, because there's there, because spirituality is so broad, Mm. we kind of need more than one color. Yeah. You know, yeah. we can't have one size fits yeah. all. You mm. know, I remember CS, I think it was a CS Lewis quote where he just talks about, you know, I think it's in mere Christianity when he says, you know, if we're all being made like Jesus, isn't that, isn't that going to be a little bit dull? Like we're all going to yeah. look exactly the same. He's like, Jesus is so infinitely magnificent and multifaceted that even if every single one of us were perfectly conformed mm. to a, an aspect of Jesus, we still wouldn't, Look yeah. the same. Yeah. We still wouldn't look the same, and we wouldn't fully reflect everything that he is. Mm. And I think, yeah, that's the God we serve, and mm. therefore you would expect the God of the infinite, the yeah. multifaceted, the creative, mm. the the transcendent, unimaginably ineffable. Like the whole. Yeah. Like why would there only be one type of church? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, why would there be only one type of color? Like yeah. that would just be. It would almost be. A, <laughs> It'd be a bit embarrassing mm. to say, that, yeah, our God is incredibly creative, but there's just there's one just type, one type of, of us, <laughs> yeah. way, which is our way. Yeah, and it's just standard, <laughs> it's purple. standard purple. You know, forget that magenta, forget yeah, that yeah. lilac, yeah. forget that. You know, no, no, no. We're you just, know in the shades of purple as well. Am I the I only one who only sees purple as purple? <laughs> well, my wife's an artist. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> my brother's an artist. Anyway, okay. <laughs> that's all I got, really. Yeah, that's me too. Yeah, I don't yeah, think she's ever really talked about purple, but I'm just gonna play that card. But you know, so like I think to some degree. There should be. So I don't think there's a problem at all. Mm. But the problems come in when we tend to, when we stop thinking in colors and we get very black and white on yeah. stuff. And I think that's when things become problematic for mm. us. <laughs> Where we say that a different spirituality is not just different, but it's wrong. Wrong. Or, or you know, lesser. Or lesser. Yeah. Or whatever the case might mm. be. And, and so those are, those are, those are tensions I think that we've never, we, the church, again, universally, I'm not sure has always been particularly good at maintaining like the nuance between those. Yeah. But I just, so. I like, I've hearing you speak about the breadth of spirituality mm. and, and that all speak value and that all speak to different, different types of people who mm. have different experiences and are on different journeys and have been called in different ways. And, and I, I just, <laughs> I just want everyone to listen to that answer and kind of go, okay, Let's be purple. Like, <laughs> let's stop talking black and white. Yeah. Because I think, yeah. you know, before you said that, I was like, so the problem, I was thinking about the question. I was like, so the problem isn't the different types of purple. The problem is the perception that it should be black and white. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and that's where, and I think that's when we get discomfort and uncertainty when we see people experiencing a different type of spirituality um, to the one that we've grown to know um or that we're most comfortable that we're most yeah, comfortable with said, yeah comfort factor because I, so much of the discourse is that it's black or white mm -hmm. and i don't mm -hmm. think we've i don't think we've utilized that conversation of this is a spectrum of color yeah and I, you know i mean from a historical perspective i think one of the 
one of the challenges to that is that that a lot of shall I say a lot of the best theology mm. is done in the fire of conflict and crisis. Mm. Right? You know, so very rarely in church history do you find that there's just this casual, friendly, informal conversation about a really important doctrine <laughs> that they just kind of all meet collegially and collaborate together no, and you know, come up don't. with a creed and everyone goes, oh, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> no, we should no. do this again, you know. That was a great brainstorming that session, great, guys. Everyone. Well done, Love everyone. Love doing life with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like a lot of the, a lot of the, 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 yeah. the best theology, I guess, yeah. has come out of the fires of crisis, mm. you know, where you end up almost from from the starting point seeing the other as the yeah. other. Mm. I am right, you are wrong, we are right, you are wrong, mm. right? The us and them almost immediately. And so sometimes I think some of our denominations have been forged out of those sorts of crises. And therefore we've kind of almost set ourselves to say, you're not just different, you're not just a different shade of purple, you're not just another example of the kingdom of God and the, the temple of God, mm-hmm. you are somehow wrong in a mm. fundamental kind of way. Yeah. So I think that's worth kind of keeping in mind as well. It's not as if, you know, yeah, like it's not <laughs> as if the church has done yeah. great theological work, again, kind of Just on the quiet. In yeah. a vacuum, yeah. Yeah, The creeds vacuum. are about those you exclude, right? Absolutely. So. Mm. Absolutely. So I, I've always found that a little bit fascinating, you know, that, you know, you that's where theology mm tends to take those big steps forward, which makes sense because you need someone to push against something in order for you to kind of go, no, let me, let me clarify that. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. and, and so there's something really valuable about, you know, it's that iron sharpening iron piece, mm. but it's iron sharpening iron. So it's, yep. there's a lot of sparks. Well, we'll look forward to that. <laughs> Great. Let's move on to question three. All right, Mark, so this is something you um, you said in your sermon that you haven't said for a while. Um, so old listeners, um, talking about the in crowd here, uh, might find this familiar. You, you often say that anyone can begin to follow Jesus. Um, and then you often say, but eventually you'll come to a sort of a crisis point and, yep. and you'll have to make some decisions. But if anyone can begin to follow Jesus, what might that look like? And um, is it different to faith? You know, What does it look like if, if somebody is just starting to follow Jesus? Hmm. Well, I think that, you know, um, you know, we would say that following Jesus is, um, you know, in terms of discipleship, it's about putting his teachings into practice. It's about um, trying to live in ways that conform with his plans and purposes. And so I think you'd begin by doing that, mm-hmm. you know, so read the Gospels in particular, you know, the first four books of the New Testament that outline Jesus' teaching and be asking yourself, you know, we talk about, you know, those four reading the Bible together questions. You know, one of them is like, what's the invitation for me? Like if this is, this is true, what, what does this mean for me? And then do it. Um, And I think, again, we, we've, I think sometimes said that you've got to believe before you can start, right? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like, you know, you must be this tall to ride this ride. Until yeah. you're yeah. this tall, yeah. you can't get on the ride. And yeah. I think what we're basically saying with, with the journey of faith, uh, the journey to faith or the journey of following Jesus is you just start following him mm. and you kind of, Eventually, because you know, I do believe eventually you come to the point where you're going to have to figure out who Jesus really is, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think uh, to some degree it's as simple as that. You know, <laughs> this is going back quite a ways, so there'll be fewer insiders, but the what would Jesus do bracelets, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, oh, WWJD. I was a fiend for the WWJD <laughs> wristband. It's still a good saying. Oh, I will stand by it. It's still, loved it's it. still But to some degree, that's way. where following Jesus yeah. begins. Like, what would Jesus mm. do? Mm. Uh, and then I'm going to try that. Because mm. what Jesus, again, I think this is where, you know, talking about um, – what Jesus accomplished in his death and resurrection more broadly than, than one or two themes is actually quite helpful. You know, Jesus certainly came to forgive sins and he came to restore a relationship with God, but he's also, he's come to basically say, this is the best way to live, mm. right? This is the best way to live now. Again, it's Jesus is, I mean, he's interested in our eternal destiny, but that's not his, like there's not a lot in scripture about our eternal destiny, <laughs> apart from the fact that there is one, right? <laughs> it's mostly about the here and now, but how do you live here now? How do you, how do you, how do you put this into practice now? And so 
I think we need to be recognizing that Jesus has said, this is, this is how you should live. This is the best way to live. Mm. You love your enemies. Yeah. Pray for those who persecute you. What? <laughs> right. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, put that into practice. Mm. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and, and I think the other thing that's really helpful in terms of the beginning of that journey is finding some traveling companions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, remember, remember reading a book, uh, Ironically, not maybe not ironically, but it's about a guy named called Christopher Booker. So he certainly should have written a book. Uh, and the book was on the seven basic plots. And he basically said that every story boils down to seven basic plots. Very good. Uh, and then he spoiled all sorts of stories. Oh. <laughs> he, t- he warned you that he was going to do it, oh, but it was yeah. kind of like I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the, one of the one of the plot forms is the quest. Mm-hmm. Um, where you know you leave on a journey um, because you have to, and you do something. And when you return, things have changed, mm. right? And rings. yeah, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And you always there are always companions along the road. And uh, I think that when we're talking about the journey of faith, it, it shouldn't be a solo effort. It should be something that we journey with somebody. A yeah. fellowship, as it were. A fellowship. Oh, <laughs> yeah. zing! There you go. Now it. Um, and, and so I think that you want to begin following Jesus with other people. Yeah. And, and it's probably worth having someone who's followed Jesus a little bit longer than you have. Um, you know, whether they've been following Jesus for a long time or a short time, someone that you can ask your questions of, for instance, um, someone who you can you know, say, you know, I, I don't know that Sunday school story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But also Jesus says some really tricky things, right? You know, like uh, yeah. if your eye offends you, you know, pluck it out mm-hmm. and send it away. Cast it yeah, away. I mean, I think like, love your enemies is probably tricky yeah, enough. But yeah, yes. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Some of his like, imagery is quite so, tricky yeah, too. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, you want someone who's yeah. been around the traps to go, actually, yeah. you know what, Probably yeah. not physically, but yeah. let's look at that as a metaphor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that there's there's great value in then having someone else that you're kind of traveling with. And yeah. you know, in terms of a traveling companion, I think you want someone who's going to allow you to begin to follow Jesus and make those voluntary decisions about when you're going to follow Jesus and, mm. yeah. you know, and kind of let you kind of go at your own pace in that sense, which can be tricky. Uh, mm-hmm. to, to find because I think, you know, it's, it, it, I think for those of us who have come to the point of place in our faith in who Jesus claims to be, our desire is that anyone who begins to follow Jesus would come to the same realization that we yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it's very easy for me to become a little bit impatient yeah, and kind yeah. of go, don't you see it yet? Yeah. Don't you see it yet? Jesus is awesome. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> and, and forget that really it's the work of yeah. God in, yeah. in someone's life. Mm. Um, I, I think that, you know, I think the other thing to, to begin is, to pray, you know, um, talk to God. Yeah. Um, there's no kind of formal, I mean, there are formal sets of words, but you don't need to use formal sets of words. Mm. Um, I think journaling, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm never, I've, journaling is, has always held for me this wonderful ideal, but whenever I try to do it, it like it lasts for two days. <laughs> so I but have, you start a new book yeah. every time. <laughs> So you just got a whole bunch of Pretty notebooks much. with or, three pages yeah. Or I've got a book that I've been using for like 45 years yeah, and yeah. it's still got like seven entries in it or something. <laughs> it's you know? not Every your spirituality. Every three years there's like something. Yeah, it's not my spirituality. Not your, but, yeah. you know, some sort of a, a keeping track of, yeah. you know, today yeah. I tried this, mm-hmm. you know, and this is the experience. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> and that's you know? okay. Yeah, or, you know, I... I want to pray for my boss because I think he's a jerk mm-hmm. and uh, but Jesus says I should. So here we go. What does that mean? And then, yeah, you know, all those sorts of things. So I think beginning, I mean, I think the, you know, in, in the context, um, you know, that, that idea for me of anyone can begin to follow Jesus came out of Matthew four, where Jesus calls his disciples. And, mm. and, you know, for those of you who've listened to the sermon or heard me talk about this before, Jesus doesn't ask whether they know much about him, mm. doesn't demand that they change their life and doesn't demand that they believe in him. And as the yeah. book, as the story unfolds, it becomes clear that they have no idea yeah. who he is. So it's a good thing he didn't ask that as, as a starting point. Um, but I think that it would then be useful to begin to learn more about Jesus, right? Mm. To, yeah. to, to read more, uh, to ask more questions, to attend a community of faith, a church someplace where you can actually hear more about Jesus where you can explore the potential implications of following Jesus in terms of your lifestyle yeah. choices. Like that's, uh, it's, you know, be forewarned, mm-hmm. you know, following Jesus, if you end up placing your faith in him, 
there'll be some consequences yeah. um, about how you how you mm. choose to live your life. And so you don't want to kind of wait until you go, yep, I believe in Jesus. Now what's next? I have to what? Mm. You know, <laughs> you mm. know, I can't do this. What? Um, so I think you want to explore those sorts of things because, you know, Jesus himself says, you know, count the cost. Mm. Yeah. You know, you're going to take, take up your cross and follow me, another tough yeah. statement. Yeah. What does that look like? Mm. Um, and then I think you want to be exploring the questions of faith. Yeah. You know, um, you might start following Jesus as a great moral teacher, but Jesus says a bunch of stuff about himself that kind of makes that hard to hold. Um, so asking yourself, okay, well, what, like, what do I believe about Jesus? And mm. kind of coming back to that question relatively frequently, mm. you know, maybe even coming back to Jesus's question to his disciples of like, who do you say that I am? Mm. You know, um, just, and maybe set that as kind of your, a kind of a regular reflection question. Yes. You know? And if, if you're someone who's traveling with someone who is exploring faith, that's probably a good question to ask. Yeah. Like, who do you say Jesus is? Mm. You know, and, and it's okay for people to say, yeah. I don't know. A great teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, a historical figure who had some interesting ideas about God. Oh, mm. okay, great. Yeah. You know, but I think that's, that's where you want to keep coming back to. Um, you know, again, to quote C.S. Lewis, the English writer of the, 1900s, um, you know, he describes his conversion as, you know, he, I can't remember where they were going, but when he got in the car, he wasn't a Christian. And when he got there, he was like, <laughs> and, like and it was something had changed yeah, for him yeah. and there was no kind of lightning bolt. There was yeah. no word from above. It was just, oh, I do believe this, yeah. you know? Yeah, so yeah. I think coming back to that question of who, who do I say Jesus is? Yeah. Who is he yeah. to me now? Mm. I think is a really worthwhile evaluatory question yeah, to, great. To, to be asking. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I think it's as simple and as complex as that. <laughs> wow. This is fantastic. No, but I think that's like, cause really whether you are just seeking to follow Jesus or even if you have made a decision mm. of faith, mm. you've, you've gotten to that crisis point and you've, you've stepped over the threshold, mm. so to speak. Mm. Like these are like, this is all just what living in a relationship yeah. with Jesus requires yeah. us to consider. So it yeah. doesn't matter where you are on that journey, if, yeah. if it's an open sect, it doesn't yes. matter how close mm. you are to the centre. Yeah. These are all the kinds of questions that we need to be asking ourselves. Yeah. Otherwise, you can find yourself no longer following Jesus, yeah. like just kind of got lost along the way and yeah. mm. found yourself somewhere else. Yeah. Or you could find your faith kind of mm. dry up a little bit yeah. because you've not really yeah. tended to yeah. it. So yeah. I ticked the boxes once and now I'm I'm over yeah. that border yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm good to go. Yeah, but that's not it. But I think we have to keep asking those questions, mm. you know, about what what do I know about mm. Jesus? What do I believe about Jesus? So what are the implications of that for my life? Yeah. And, and taking that quite seriously. Awesome. Well, Michael. Mark, thanks so much. Another big three, the final big three Ooh, for you yes. for, um, for a hot little minute. For a hot little minute, yeah. yeah I'll, get, uh, I'll be back in July, I guess. I'm sure you'll so. return with notes and suggestions. <laughs> and people, maybe some more journal pages. Yeah, some more journal pages, yeah. maybe. We'll <laughs> see. Yeah. I'll have journaled once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll so, get a new book for yeah, well, and, you know, I, I, talk, I think I, I mentioned this to a few people about you know what am I going to be doing and spoke to my mentor about his long service leave. And, and he said something kind of curious, but which made a lot of sense, which was he, whatever he did, he didn't want to fail long service leave. So in other words, you know, instead of saying Keep the bar low. Well, like well, to some yeah, degree, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. He, you know, it, it was fine to say that you're going to read, he said, but don't, don't say you're going to read five books because then you could fail yeah. and not yeah. read those then five books. Bad. So <laughs> I'm not going to journal because I don't want to no. fail long no. service leave unless yeah. I say yeah. I'll journal I'll once. Journal Even then, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you, it might still be a bit too hard yeah. to yeah. say. You've got, Think you've got about goal. maybe it's, journaling. No, it's hockey. That's it's your goal. Okay. That's Just stick, it. stick with what you know. Yeah. I think I can. I can also commit to that. Yeah, <laughs> well, good luck. We hope you win. Yeah. <laughs> uh, long service leave and hockey. Oh, oh, thank you very much. I saw what you did there. Yeah. Nailed it. Oh, rocks! That was huge. That was a doozy. Wasn't but it? I really, I dug it. There was so much in there. What was, what was oh, like the gosh, one thing? The one if thing. you could, if you had to pick, oh, and you do because I'm asking okay, you to. All right. If you had um, to pick one thing. Oh, I think for me, just the helpful um, that 
there's, it's okay to have different types of purple. I think that's yes. super helpful yeah. for us as a church and as mm. a community. And I know Mark's about to go on long service leave and he's probably going to walk into a bunch of different churches over that time. Um, and sometimes when I've walked into different churches, they, they kind of do things a bit different. You know, mm. they maybe worship in a different way or they, they have a different language around the way they, they see God. And it, sometimes it sort of jolts me a little bit out of yeah. my, you know, my everyday. Mm. And, and I think that's actually really healthy for yeah. me uh, because then I can go, you know what, God is so much bigger than my little patch of purple, right? God is yes. so much bigger than yep. my experience, my, my expression of, of churchmanship, yep. you know, the way I worship, the way I pray, the way I mm. relate to the Lord. Mm. Um, so so just seeing that that broad perspective yeah. and that, that God is so much bigger than, than mm. that. And I've got to like let go of my judgment on yep. the way I perceive other people and to go, you know what? You know, Jesus is the center. Jesus is the one we're worshiping and mm. he is building his church and it's going to look different for a bunch of different people. And you know what? That's okay with God. So therefore yep. that's got to be okay with me. Yeah. Awesome. So oh, I love that. Stuff. Right on. What about yourself? Oh, uh, I think that like still from question one, I'm still kind of mulling over the whole, like particularly if, if you're someone who, who feels like they're purple already, who feels like I, I kind of, I know where I am, I know what I'm doing and I know my place here, yeah. that there's a responsibility to then advocate and and create mm. space for others to experience the, the, the community and the church and the temple yeah. that, you know, we have had the privilege of experiencing only through the grace of yep. of God and, and through um, the sacrifice of Jesus. So I'm just, you know, I'm aware that if you, if, you know, if we're using this insider outsider mm-hmm. language, which comes up a lot, um, particularly around Jews and Gentiles, yeah. um, you know, I would say that I'm an insider. I mean, it's hard to be a pastor of a church and not, <laughs> not be an insider, insider, I guess. Yeah. Um, so then, like my like the work that I need to do is not about getting in. Mm. It's not about being purple. Mm. It's about helping others become purple or yeah, experiencing yeah. that purple. Uh, yes. To push the analogy uh, to, to yeah, the absolute yeah. breaking point. Um, so, yeah, and I just I think that responsibility is really it's important. It's, yeah. it's an important one. So, yeah. yeah to be maybe more intentional in that absolutely, space. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's really good. Mm. So, yeah. Anyway, cracker. well, another another cracker, uh, big three. Thank you so Great much, and to be here. we'll see you next time. Awesome. Well, if you want to be a part of the conversation, make sure that you're there at one of our services this Sunday, and that you snap the Slido QR code or follow the link before the sermon to get involved. If you've enjoyed the Big Three podcast today, take the time to give a star rating and be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all future episodes. Speaking of new episodes, next week we will be releasing a fourth question, looking at the topic of deconstructing faith. Should we do it? Why would we do it? How do we do it? Well, thanks for joining us for this week's Big Three and our deep dive into God's invitation for us all. Remember, there's no thought too small, no question too big.